tonkatsu. Yay! <laughs> I was so excited about it this weekend when I knew I was going to make it. I was just ridiculous amounts of excited. It's so good. It is, and it's so freaking easy. Well, that I, I I would like to take just a teensy bit of credit <laughs> on that one. It's just all because, your recipe. <laughs> well, well, no. I mean, it takes some skill too. But I did play with temperatures and stuff for a while before I got to a point where I liked the lightness. Like, I don't like the the crunch to be like a shell. You know, mm-hmm. I like it to be a little bit on the lighter side. Mm-hmm. But I and I want everything to be super juicy and tender and yeah. So it took me some trial and error before I I found a temperature, a cooking temperature and a cooking time that I liked and like a thickness of the pork where it worked well with the temperature of the oil on, mm-hmm. you know. But that's the way I like it. And you know, some people might make it and be like, "No. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the way it's supposed to be." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, that, that's Fujikatsu. So, <laughs> well, well, I, I like Fujikatsu. Fujikatsu. <laughs> I guess well, that would yeah. be cannibalism if it was Fujikatsu. That's true. I like Fuji style katsu. There we go. How about that? <laughs> that works better. That sounds a little better. <laughs> yes. We're not trying to promote cannibalism on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not eating you and your family, <laughs> frying you, you guys up. Yum. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely end me so hungry as it now exists. Yeah, and that would be a very bad thing. You could I start... like it how it is. <laughs> so, you know, once you eat me, you could kind of develop multiple personalities. <laughs> you could do both of us. You know, you could have a, a Fuji voice. A sushi day voice. <laughs> now, it could be very entertaining, this kind of psychotic, even more psychotic version of me so hungry. That's true. But I still like you as you better than me as you. I think you make a much better you than I would. Well, I, I'm grateful for that because I'd rather not be eaten. <laughs> and I quite like doing my part on me so hungry. So thank you for preserving my life. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Today, as always, we are talking about everything you never knew you wanted to know about Japanese food. So Rachel, I hear you cooked something exciting today? I did. I finally cooked one of the recipes that I've been dying to cook out of Kibo, Elizabeth Ondo's book that we talked about. And it's the her recipe for Hitsumijiru, the pinched noodle soup with pork. Ooh, I've been wanting to try that one. How did it turn out? It was incredible. Mr. Fuji is out of town, so I had some friends over to help me eat it and taste it. You know, <laughs> see if it was see if it, I did a good job. No, I figured it would be good because every recipe I've ever tried of Elizabeth Ondo's has always been fabulous, but this one far exceeded my expectations. It was 
absolutely amazing. Are you going to have pictures? Yes. Good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing them. I just so, wish I lived closer to you so I could go have some. <laughs> I wish you did too, because then we could cook together. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. But it's really unique because the noodles, the name, Hitsumi, it literally means pinched noodles. And you make this dough, and after it's done resting, you pinch pieces of it off and then kind of flatten it between your fingers. So they're kind of these just really rustic, randomly shaped noodles. Huh. But they're delicious, but just very unlike any other Japanese noodle I've ever had. But it makes me want to go visit the Tohoku region and taste yeah. more of the specialties. Yeah. Holy guacamole. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gone. No leftovers. <laughs> That's yeah. a good sign. Yeah. But it's a, a good segue for today because it has pork in it. That is true. And we're talking about another pork dish today. Well, we're talking about a very very popular pork dish that I love and I know you love it and we also know that Matthew from Spilled Milk loves it because he was actually the one who requested that we do this episode. You know and after a few bribes and some name calling <laughs> and arm pulling we finally agreed to to do the topic. Yeah we were so reluctant to talk about it. Extremely reluctant but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't ever see myself being reluctant to talk about anything pig related. <laughs> I just anything Japanese food related. I mean, that too. <laughs> but pork is I, yeah, I have a soft spot. Yeah. I have a soft spot for food. What am I saying? <laughs> You're not the only one. Imagine I'm that. Obsessed. <laughs> oh. So tonkatsu. Yes, we are talking about tonkatsu which is the pork cutlet that's breaded, usually with panko, and then deep fried. And then almost always see it sliced up into thin slices, and it's delicious. It's most traditionally served with like this pile of really finely shredded cabbage or miso soup or both, and it's got this great... A sweet and savory sauce that they uh, they call tonkatsu sauce or just sauce, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you get a little bit of karashi, which is this yellow spicy Japanese mustard, and a lemon wedge. It's so good. Okay, my mouth is already watering just thinking about it. Well, and you just got to eat some yesterday because you made it. Yeah, and it was all gone. <laughs> Just like that. So good. Yet now I want some with some actual tonkotsu sauce. Because we didn't have any. Oops. Well, we'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eel sauce is not... I mean, it was delicious. But it's not quite the right replacement for tonkotsu sauce. Yeah, it's a little bit different um, ingredient list. It's a little too rich and a little too sweet. And I was eating it, and I was just like, I really want some tonkatsu sauce. Yeah, you need something that's a little more tangy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot about the spicy mustard, because I know Sun would have loved that. Guy after my own heart. <laughs> he will eat that on anything. Oh, so, so good. One thing I wanted to point out is that there are two dishes that sound 
a lot alike. They're very close in pronunciation. And this We're confused t- me so much. <laughs> the first time I heard about the other one, I was like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> That's not a port cutlet. What? Yes. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, one is tonkatsu, and one is tonkotsu. So, ka and ko. <laughs> tonkatsu, ka, is the one we're talking about. Ton means pork in Japanese. So, both these dishes have pork, but tonkatsu is the breaded deep fried pork cutlet that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Tonkotsu is a type of ramen that's made with this really wonderful rich broth that's made by boiling pork bones and fat and collagen and just crazy rich broth. But very, very different from pork cutlet. <laughs> so tonkatsu gets its name because originally they called it katsuretto or cutlet. That's kind of the way you know, you'd say cutlet with Japanese pronunciation. But eventually it just got shortened to katsu. And then in the 1930s, they made this uh, kind of combo word and it became tonkatsu. So there you go. <laughs> but not tonkotsu. Although they're both delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, aside from the pork similarity, they're very different dishes. <laughs> Although I would be happy with either. Oh, yeah. Also very different, um, not only in the end product and their pronunciation. Well, I guess their pronunciation isn't very different. But is their origins. Tonkotsu is more, I guess it has more Chinese origins. And tonkatsu, depending on the source you're looking at, has either Dutch or Portuguese uh, origins. It's thought to have been introduced in Japan by the Portuguese in the late 1800s. It's kind of a derivative of tempura. This is something that the Japanese called uh, yoshoku, which is where they take something from Europe, a type of food, and they Japanize it, which is an official term, by the way. (laughs) It's in the dictionary. Go figure. Anyways, so they adopt it as part of, of their cuisine, but... This particular dish has become so Japanized that it's become less and less solid yoshoku. And it's kind of somewhere between yoshoku and something they call washoku. And washoku is traditional Japanese food. And the reason I say that is because they serve it in the washoku style. So even though you've got this yoshoku, this Japanified, you know, Japanized European dish, they serve it with rice and miso soup, and usually you're going to have pickles with your meal, skemono, and you eat it with chopsticks, whereas a lot of other foreign dishes that they they eat, if, you know, say you go out for Italian food or something, you're going to usually be eating it with the utensil that that food is eaten with in that country. So I doubt those Portuguese traders were eating their pork cutlets with chopsticks. But <laughs> that's the way they do it in Japan now. So it's it's become very much more part of modern day traditional Japanese cuisine, which is I it's really interesting to kind of track those changes. It is, because I would have never guessed that tonkatsu isn't Japanese. I mean to me it's such a Japanese dish. 
that I would would not have realized it came from somewhere else. Yeah. But think about, here's here's one way to kind of think about what is most likely an adaptation or, you know, an adoption into the cuisine culture. Japan started with a very heavy Buddhist influence, which traditionally was a vegetarian culture. Not only that, but farmland is scarce. So you've got all these kind of factors that made it so they just really were not big red meat eaters. They were eating seafood and that was about it. In fact, when traders were coming in, the whole aspect of eating red meat was, a lot of them found it kind of gross. (laughs) (laughs) Really the focus was on, you know, your rice, your vegetables, your sea vegetables, your proteins like your miso and your legumes, and any seafood that you might be eating unless you're traditional very strict vegetarian instead of more of a pescatarian so all of well at least most of the meat dishes as in you know land animals are more most likely to be more of a yoshoku type situation though some of them have been around for so long that they're more washoku now than yoshoku yeah so there's my um, miso-hungry university lecture for the day. <laughs> nice. Sorry. <laughs> I am such a nerd when it comes to this stuff. No, it's good because I love it. I love learning this stuff because I never would have known. You know, I never, it never would have occurred to me that up until, what, the 1800s, they didn't eat any red meat in general. They I'm not sure when they really started incorporating more red meat into the diet, though this particular dish was late 1800s. But actually, this dish started out being made with beef. And then it was like in the 1890s or something, I can't remember, that a restaurant in Tokyo served a pork version. And now that's the more popular version. I'd have to look up. I don't remember when they started incorporating more meat into the diet but but even so it's going to be much later than oh yeah western (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah for sure or even other asian countries yes probably had meat long before japan did yeah because most of them had a larger animal farming culture Mm -hmm. and had the room to do it right and japan space is at a premium i mean right 80% of Japan is uninhabitable because it's too mountainous. So it's crazy to think. It's it's incredible how this society has developed because (laughs) you've got a land mass that's roughly equal to, say, California. Mm -hmm. But only 20% of that is habitable. And you've got roughly a third of the U.S. population, that's the total population of Japan, smashed into 20%, which equals... um, the size of San Diego County. So 20% of Japan is equal to San Diego County, but you're stuffing a third of the U.S. population into that much land. So, yeah, it's crazy. So it it explains a lot, though. I mean, Mm -hmm. to be so efficient and organized as they are today, you have to have developed a very systematic method of living and Otherwise, you'd, it'd be chaos and you'd kill each other. You know, you just wouldn't survive. But it's it's definitely had big impact on agriculture and some of those practices. 
Sorry, another random tangent. I am <laughs> full of tangents tonight. It is my specialty. No, it's good because I am brainless. <laughs> so, um, have you ever tasted Kurobuta? Yes. I've, uh, maybe. I've, I've had Black Pig. I don't know if it was specifically from Japan, but I have had Black Pig. So you've at least had that breed. Yes. Okay, so they say that Kurobuta, which is Japanese black pig, is the best pork for tonkatsu. I, which I had not realized this until I was kind of pulling some research together for this for this episode. But Kurobuta is actually uh, like a trademark name. But the actual breed is the Berkshire pig, which is a really rare breed of pig that originates in England. Mm-hmm. It's not raised very many places. I mean, it, Japan, England, I know the States, and I'm not sure if there's anywhere else that, that raises it. So it's really rare. And it's more juicy and flavorful, supposed to be more tender. The meat is more marbled. So just really nice for cooking. Kind mm-hmm. of like, I think, the same way that Wagyu beef is right. is so prized. Random factoid. <laughs> they have English cousins. <laughs> so did they come from England to Japan? I, what I read didn't say that explicitly, but um, that's the impression I got. Okay. It's, it, it seems like they brought them over and then, you know, started their own raising farming methods and then had the name trademarked. So, gotcha. the, so there are a lot of variations in the way tonkatsu is eaten. Yes. And they well, all sound delicious. So, <laughs> it's so good that you have to, you know, it's like, why why wouldn't you find different ways to eat it? <laughs> well, it's um, so good you want to have as many different ways to eat it as possible. Right. Totally. <laughs> so one of them, is, you can find you can find this in bakeries and convenience stores, all kinds of places, but it's they call it katsu sando and it's basically two pieces of white bread with the crust cut off and tonkatsu and they make it into this little sandwich so you've got the really soft flimsy white bread and then the juicy pork and the crispy mm. fried outside and it's it's quite bad for you but it's quite delicious <laughs> <laughs> my favorite way to eat tonkatsu is uh, as katsukari, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, katsukari. Yeah, which is tonkatsu with Japanese curry. And that's definitely how I had it last night. And I always get tonkatsu when I go out for curry. It's so good. Yeah, well, Japanese curry is just a crazy popular thing in general. But mm-hmm. it's funny that you say that because the the place I worked the last time we lived in Japan... <laughs> We would we had these dinner meetings once a week, so they would order in dinner. And one of the favorite things of the guys was katsukare. <laughs> we had it, you know, out of four dinner meetings or five dinner meetings a month, we had it at least once a month. <laughs> but it's good. I mean, there's a reason why people like it. It's yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> well, I really really like it as part of a donburi, a rice bowl, and they combine the word katsu and donburi kind of like they do tonkatsu and they call it katsudon so it's like a bowl of rice with the tonkatsu and 
some egg and some condiments and you know a little bit of sauce or scallions or whatever but it, it's just good it's like this little meal you know meal mm-hmm. in a bowl so good and then there are a ton of variations even just on that one <laughs> like depending on your region um like in Nagoya, their favorite version is miso katsudo, which has like this miso sauce that they put on it. And in Niigata, they have this soy sauce sauce, and they call it shoyu dare katsudo. You know, there's one that's got like salt added, one that uses a demi gloss. I mean, they're just, it's just all kinds of versions. Crazy pop. It's not surprising that it's so popular. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. <laughs> That's kind of our uh, theme for tonight. It's so good. Okay, so do you remember when we talked about Kit Kats? Yes. We we talked about how um, usually you can buy these little boxes, you know, how ours are foil-wrapped, but they sell theirs in little boxes. And on the back, it's got like a to-and-from spot that you can fill out. By the way, I totally have some of those sitting right next to me right now. Awesome. My my cousin brought back... a ton of Kit Kats from her trip to Japan and I was looking at them and I turned it over and I'm like oh, it's got the to and from it's the ones we talked about yes <laughs> it makes me so, really happy I know right you're like you totally didn't make this up it's it's true um <laughs> and kind of I think probably the reason for that is that it's a play on words we talked about how you say kitokato you know and it was a play on uh, the verb katsu, which is like to win or be victorious. So if you have a test, your mom might give you a Kit Kat, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, same thing with tonkatsu, which katsu, even though it has a different origin, there is a kanji for a verb and the reading of it is katsu and it's the same it's to win or to be victorious. So there's a tradition where students will go out and eat katsudon, so this the tonkatsu rice ball, right before like a big test or something. Because lucky. <laughs> so katsudon and Kit Kats. I yes. like that meal. So <laughs> do I. It's a very, very lucky meal. Mm-hmm. And delicious. So good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about making tonkatsu yes Um, i just made it for my first time ever yesterday and it was finally i know gosh what's taking you so long i don't know (laughs) but i mean this this episode was the perfect excuse for me to take rachel's recipe and try to make it myself for some reason i'd always had this sort of mental block of, oh, it's so hard, oh, it takes so much work, I could never make this, or, you know, it would be really hard to make this. So I took her recipe, and I made it, and it was so freaking easy. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, I'm done? That's all? But but that took me, like, ten minutes. That was nothing. Hold on, this can't be right. But it turned out so good. Oh my gosh. And this is definitely going to become a regular thing in my household. See, that's why I was able to pull it off for a dinner party. I did it for this themed dinner party that I did like a year and a half ago. And I made it, I forget how many people we had, 10 or 12. 
and I made honkatsu for that many people. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty telling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like so much work, but it really isn't. The, the biggest pain is dealing with the oil because, you know, once you've used the oil and you have to wait for it to cool and you have to dispose of it and it's kind of a pain. But, mm-hmm. but the actual making of it, crazy yeah. easy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I'm still in disbelief that it was so easy to make. But it can still be a bit tricky because you don't want it to get gummy. Like if you get too much flour on it, because what you do is you take your piece of meat. I like to start with a thicker cutlet and pound it thin because it kind of tenderizes it. And then I really control how thick my piece of meat is, which is key in my recipe because then I know how long it needs to cook. If I can control the thickness and the temperature of the oil, then I'm guaranteed to slice it once it's done resting and it's going to be done. And I'm not going to have any raw pork surprises. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, so if you get, you take your cutlet, I season it with a bit of salt and pepper, dust it with a little bit of flour. But if you get too much flour on there, it can make it kind of gummy because then you dip it in beaten egg and then cover it with a coating of panko, which are the really coarse Japanese breadcrumbs. You know, so if you get your coating there too thick, that can be your downfall. And then if you get your temperature and your oil off, that can be your downfall. Because if it fries too quickly, it might burn on the outside in order to have it cooked on the inside. If it's not hot enough, it may cook through, but it's going to soak up a lot of oil. And good tonkatsu should not be greasy and oily. The perfect tonkatsu will not leave a big grease mark on a paper towel once it's done cooking Mm -hmm. so it's a little tricky but you know if if you have some good temperatures to work with and you know you make sure your thickness and all that is on then then it is really easy so just as long as you kind of follow your benchmarks it's really not hard well as long as you follow your recipe well it turns out great (laughs) (laughs) oh but you know the funny thing is, I I really like my method. You know, I worked on it for a while. But there are a lot of different methods depending on the chef. You know, I read about um, one chef who cooks it at this certain temperature. He moves it before it's done and then lets the residual heat finish cooking it through. I read about one chef who cooks it at a lower heat for longer in a certain type of oil so it doesn't soak up the oil as much so it cooks low and slow well lower and slower and like supposedly it stays really moist but you get a crispier outside so it really just depends on the technique you find something you like and then you stick with it once it works for you (laughs) well i'm gonna stick with yours (laughs) oh there if you don't know what works for you then then try the rest my recipe or try someone else's and 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 see what happens you can buy different commercially made sauces in fact we'll link to um a blog post (laughs) the post is called the great tonkatsu sauce shootout (laughs) and they compare i forget was it 10 i think it might be 10 different sauces made by different companies um and rate them and it's it's kind of interesting to see what wins out and why our favorite is probably bulldog we'll link to it in the notes you can get it on amazon or um if you go to a an Asian market. Yeah, that's uh, a really popular one. I've heard yeah. it. I don't know that I've had it, but I've definitely heard about it quite a bit. And you can make your own. There, there are a bunch of different types of recipes out there, and we'll link to some of those, too. 
Making your own is always good, because then you can control how it tastes. Make it just how you like it. Exactly. And it's more fun. Yeah, why? <laughs> it's the foodie's version of the wood shop, you know? <laughs> yeah. Gets me so angry. Although we're done yapping about tonkatsu tonight, there is still tons of information and opportunities for you to interact with us. You can find us on Twitter at MisoTalk. You can find us on our fan page on Facebook. You can always email us at misohungrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us and our episodes and our show notes and our taco tidbits on our website, misofy.com. That's M-I-S-O-F-Y dot com. And we love it when you leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes. I'm Allison Day. And I'm Rachel Hutchings. And you've been listening to the Miso Hungry Podcast. The podcast that is all about deep fried porky goodness, but not about eating your friends. Sorry, did you just hear my cats? They're fighting. <laughs> no, I, I can't hear them. They're like running up and down the stairs. <laughs> <bustling>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> WWF at the Fuji household. <laughs>